You are now listening to Discover Your Potential with renowned radio talk show host and certified holistic practitioner, Cindy Gilman. So listen, participate, be inspired. Know that you can discover your potential. Here she is, Cindy Gilman. Well, hello, guys and gals. I'm Cindy Gilman, and the program is called Discover Your Potential. And the word for today is creativity. Creativity. And creativity comes in so many different ways. I think you're going to enjoy listening to our guest. It's been quite a couple of weeks. We have a new year. We have a new president. We have, we've got all kinds of new stuff. Um, I had a birthday last week. My son did. I got to share a meal with him, which was nice. And uh, I feel good. I, I feel good. I hope all of you feel well and good. And it's uh, hasn't snowed here today. Still a little chilly, but it's okay. We've we've been very lucky this this winter so far. Um, so as I mentioned, the word for today is creativity. And I'm going to read something that I like. It just jumped out at me. Always believe in your unlimited potential. Believe in yourself. You have the ability to attain whatever you seek. Within you is every potential you can imagine. Always aim higher than you believe you can reach. So often, you'll discover that when your talents are set free by your imagination, you can achieve any goal. And if people offer you their help or wisdom as you go through life, accept it gratefully. You can learn much from those who have gone before you. You are meant to be whatever you dream of becoming. And so on this day, the word for today is creativity. First of all, I want to have a very special thanks to the two entrepreneurs who allow us to use their platform of WBBS Radio, Doug and Don, and allow us to share our creativity and our time with the guests that we provide. And uh, it's been such an interesting couple of weeks. I, I just don't even know where to begin. Um, I do want to remind you 
that if you miss part of today's program, you can go to www.wdyptalkradio.com. And not only can you hear the podcast for today's program, but of former programs. So you'll hear this program now live, but then you can get to hear part part of it or all of it at that website. That's www.wdyp for Discovery of Potential, talkradio.com. Also on that site, there is a complimentary guided meditation. I know so many people right now are going through difficult times. And um, the meditation is up there to help you relax, unwind, release, and let go of all the stress and tension you might be holding on to. Just don't listen to the meditation while you're driving. We don't want people closing their eyes while they're driving. And No, I'm not trying to be funny. So, I will be recording another guided meditation for those of you who enjoy doing that. And and I find it to be extremely helpful. So, a very special thanks to the entrepreneurs of WBBS, Doug and Don. A very special thank you to all of the first responders and that includes so many people, not just the medical professions, but people that we depend on, whether they work in supermarkets, markets, um, people that kind of go without a lot of accolades or thanks. Our thanks go out to you, all of you. So my work as a certified holistic practitioner and medium. I try to bring to you guests that will help you unlock your potential. I think think you're going to enjoy hearing from today's guest. She is, without a doubt, a very creative person. She is an entrepreneur and has two special businesses that she runs. One is called In Transition. I think we're all in transition. Um, And the other one that kind of jumped out at me is called The Christmas Bell. And the bell is spelled B-E-L-L-E. So, Sally Smith, welcome to Discover Your Potential. Thank you, Cindy. I'm really so happy that you're here with me today. Well, I'm delighted. 
this will be fun. So I know that you had mentioned In Transition is a business that you started for what what is the main drive for In Transition? In Transition was started um, after I quit my corporate career to stay here in Greenville, South Carolina. I needed something to do. Um, and I had moved so many times and realized that it's not the easiest thing in the world. So In oh, Transition... It no, it And people don't realize how tough it is. Um, and having moved so many times, there were a lot of things that were second nature to me. So... My goal was to help other people move, whatever that meant. Um, Uh So I pack, I inventory, I hire movers. Sometimes I move them myself with a helper. And then at the end of the day, um, I also do appraisals and help liquidate the things that they no longer need. Now, Um, do you ask them before you liquidate these things or... Do you just say, well, I don't think they need that? No, no, no. It's all their decision. It's Uh all their decision. I can certainly help guide. One of Mm -hmm. the things that um, I generally tell anyone that's moving, whether you're young or old, but particularly when we get into our later years and need less, um, go shopping in your house. Um, Uh Take the things that you love, the things that make you smile, the mm-hmm. things you want to see every day, and leave the rest. Let somebody else make wonderful memories with them. Interesting. It's a little different way of looking at things. Now, the Christmas bell, and you spell it B-E-L-L-E. Yes. How did you come up with that name? <laughs> well, I love Christmas. And one of the things that I had done over the years for friends and family was making Christmas tree skirts for them. Um, but having lived in the Northeast on a couple of occasions um, for many years, some of my friends, uh, particularly in New York, refer to me as Belle because I'm Southern. Uh-huh. And in fact, um, when you and I met in Rhode Island 35 years ago, wow. Um, some of my friends there called me Magnolia Blossom because oh, I, I love that they had never heard of um, heard my accent before. So the, when I moved um, into the New York area again, some of my friends just started calling me Belle, and um, so that stuck, and it made sense to come up with that name for my business. Um, I love to sew, and have and it shows to- I've seen. I've seen oh, pictures you. of your creative work, and some of the things are just beautiful. Thank you. I love doing it. As um, I've been sewing since I was seven. Wow. And um, self-taught and just have fun. I go up in my workroom and don't know what day it is, um, which is really fun. That's uh been blessed with the opportunity to do that and um, just have a great time. With the way that we have been on lockdown, sometimes a lot of us don't know what day it is. 
That's true. Yeah, Every day an, seems to go into the next. Yeah, this has been an extraordinary um, past year. It's I'm glad has. we're looking forward. <laughs> yes, we are. I still haven't put my uh, Happy New Year hat on. I'm, I'm uh, waiting for the new year. And it feels like last year has, has kind of zeroed in into this year. But I'll well, I'll get it on. Good. Good. Maybe I'll get you to make me a New Year's hat. Oh, I'd love to do that. <laughs> I would love to do that. So do you have favorite things you like to make? Uh, yes and no. Um, the things that I like to make the most are the things that challenge me creatively. Uh-huh. Um, I, I I know I mentioned this to you. I have a cousin who several years ago me a wedding gown um, that was, I believe it was from 1903. It was wow. her great-grandmother's. It was all silk with lace and beadwork. And that she wanted to... Beautiful. Oh, it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, but it it was over 100 years old, and silk wow. doesn't last that long. Um, right. So I was challenged with the idea she had, um, she and her sisters had several girl grandchildren mm-hmm. and wanted me to make silk purses for them. Oh, wow. And so I had the opportunity to think about this dress and look at it, took lots of pictures of it, took it apart, um, stitch by stitch, and saved all the lace and the beadwork. And um, restored the lace, you know, over 100 years. It got a little dingy. Now, how do you restore lace? uh, It depends on what's wrong with it. In this case, it was simply aged, yellowed with age. Uh Uh-huh. So I soaked it in a particular solution I like to use and then would um, leave it out in the sun to dry. And Mm -hmm. you do that several times until it... um, gets white again and you don't want to use any harsh chemicals because right. that breaks down everything but um right. so i was able to make similar purses for each girl but they were different in that i used different it, well, there were several different kinds of lace mm-hmm. so i was challenged with making them different because each girl was different and the laces were different so that was really a lot of fun um They were similar in style, but each one different. And on the back of each one, I was able to come up with a design that was an open work heart in embroidery. Mm. And I had the date of the original, what would end up being, I think, the great-great-great-grandmother's wedding date, and then put her monogram and then each girl's monogram on the back. It was white on white. It's really beautiful. I think there's a picture on the website in my um, design gallery. Hmm. But they um, they turned out fun. But that was just that was so much tr- fun to try to figure out what to do. Right. And, and you do it. sound like a Southern belle. <laughs> well, <laughs> I am born and bred yeah, in the right. Carolinas. You might have lived up here for a while, but you've got that Southern Southern belle. 
draw. <laughs> exactly. Proudly so. Um, but also being from the South and being from a, um, my mom's family was in textiles. So I guess I come by it honestly, but I, as most people know, especially if you come in my house once, I love pretty fabric. Mm. I, I, I'm a sucker for a pretty piece of fabric. Well, I, I'm not sure what I want to do with it, but sometimes so I just have to So if you go into a fabric store or a place where you can find fabric, if you see a pretty or a beautiful or unusual fabric, you'll get it and keep it until Chances you want are, yes. is it? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, it, <laughs> some people say it's a sickness, but for me it's a joy. Um, and my mom used to sew. I mean, she, when I was a child, I was a child performer. I think I had mentioned that to you. Yeah. And we'd go, yes. go down to the garment district in Boston, and we'd pick out fabric and um, take it home. And she didn't use uh, bought patterns. She would just draw a picture, and she'd whip up these gowns for me. And, uh, you know, I'd get up the next day, and there was this beautiful gown that I got to sing concerts in. Oh, what fun. And uh, when they, I don't know if you'd remember this, uh, for a while, it was very popular, those pleated skirts with the pins, the, um, like a kilt. Yes. And so when those came out, she, she saw them and she got some, a couple of different kinds of fabric. And I had, you know, in a short time, I had a couple of skirts that she made with all the pleats and, um, and the big safety pin, and it, it was it was fun. It was nice. I mean, she she made a lot of a lot of her own uh, skirt and vest and jacket suits and pantsuits and. Plus, I used to make a lot of my clothes as well. Did you? When I was in in junior high and high school, um, I did make a lot of my clothes and. They were sometimes they were a little bit outlandish, but that was okay. Um, I was happy with it. <laughs> you know, when you make them, you can be as outlandish as you want. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, how outlandish did any of your outfits get? Or the don't you that... want to talk about it? And you know, you have to remember this was in the very early seventies. Um, okay. I was in high school, and my first year in high school was the very first time we were allowed to wear pants to school. Uh-huh. Um, jeans. I, yeah, we could wear jeans. Um, but before that, we had to wear skirts. Right. But um, I made a, I guess you could say it was a suit. It was a, a jacket out of red wool like a a Christmas red, a bright red, Mm -hmm. um, long sleeve jacket with no buttons, just kind of hanging there. But instead of making it with slacks or a skirt, I made it with 
what they called at the time walking shorts. Um, now, what? Kneeling shorts. Like Bermuda shorts, or yes, yes. Most people don't remember what Bermuda shorts are anymore, but um, they were kneeling shorts. And um, I, I even remember you. when they called certain things pedal pushers. Yes, yes. Um. But so you made yourself a made pair of those, mm-hmm. and wore them with a um, incredibly brightly colored um, knitted vest that a friend of mine had made, and um, I, I, I'm sure I was quite the look. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. It was comfortable, and it was me. And there you go. You know, it's it. Sometimes it's just fun. To wear something that's fun to wear. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And if you made a lot of things. Now, do you you knit or crochet as well? I don't. Um, I never learned how to do that. I tried knitting for a very short period of time, but it wasn't wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It just... It, it became boring for me because I didn't do it very well. Um, that's probably the reason. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't for me. For me, it was all about taking fabrics and some, doing something with fabrics. And it sounds like you've, you've made a lot of really wonderful things. I mean, just well, the, some of the pillows that I saw on your website were interesting. Thank and you. you monogram them. Yes, yes. Um, well, it's interesting, Cindy. I've when I was in the corporate world, I traveled a lot and certainly moved a lot. But I always found time um, to keep my fingers in sewing a little bit. Wherever I lived, I tried to become involved in whatever theater, particularly community theater, mm-hmm. and help with costumes. Um, so I've done that for years and years. Um, even here, although I don't do much with the theater group here, I have done a lot of costumes at, at the church that I belong to for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you but, even mentioned that to me. I did. I Wasn't did. there one one show? Yes. How many costumes did you have to make? I had to make 78 children's animal costumes. They were doing Oof. a little show called Archaeology with a K, and it was a delightful little musical for children. Um, but I had to make two by two all those animals, and with that many, had to get really creative as to what you could actually make that would be recognizable. <laughs> so now, it, how did you how did you make the animals? Did you make the body of the costume similar, and, and the heads different, or? Oh no, each one was totally different. Really? Each one was totally different. In fact, the I guess my favorites were the um the giraffes because they had a you know, I made a a giraffe printed body of, of the costume but then mm-hmm. got cardboard covered with that fabric and then made a separate head so they put it on their shoulders and walked in. It was really quite something. It was a lot of fun. So how did you make the long neck? With cardboard that was covered in the fabric. Wow. And made a hole so that they could see out of it at the base of the the neck. 
Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, see a bunch of kids running around, not <laughs> without holes in the, in the sea out of. But uh, the other fun one for that was the jellyfish. Again, oh, I had wow. to find lots of different kinds of, of animals, and the jellyfish were fun. They had lots so, of pieces of fabric hanging off of them, very filmy I was going to say, what, what did you make to, to feel or look like a jellyfish? It was layers of almost like a handkerchief, a group of handkerchiefs hanging off from around the neck um, and some ribbons hanging off so that it looked like the um like a jellyfish <laughs> wow sort of floating around but it, it was a lot of fun um but when i was living in the new york area i was so lucky um having a very stressful job but i had an opportunity to do costumes off broadway for fun oh wow it, there's a, a little theater in Chelsea called the Sanford Meisner Theater, mm-hmm. um, little ninety seat theater. And a friend of mine was involved with a group. I think it was called Dark Horse Theater. And um, I was lucky enough to make costumes um, for their. Now, where is that? In Chelsea, in Manhattan. Okay, down near the Village. Yes, yes. Just before you get to the Village, Eleventh, and I think maybe. 22nd, 23rd, in that general vicinity. It's been right. a long time since That's I've been really there. on the west side. Yeah, yeah. It was a great little theater. Um, there are some anyway. wonderful little theaters in New York that a lot of people don't even know about. Absolutely. That one was just, um, they did, one of the, the performances they did was Dorothy Parker's um, American Stories, a group of Dorothy Parker's short stories, and it was interesting for me, um, Dorothy Parker was part of the Algonquin Round Table in New York, Mm. and as was my cousin, um, Alexander Wolcott. Wow. So it it was an interesting tie-in. It it was just a lot of fun, just a lot of fun. They were very kind to let me be a part of all that. And I made some pretty outlandish costumes then, too. (laughs) So do you have a special one that you would say, this has been the most fun I've had? Um, No, each one is different. Each one, the the process of being creative, each time brings its own joy. Right. Um, And I hope our listeners are hearing you. Because, I mean, I I truly believe if people allow themselves to enjoy being creative and know that every creative project that they work on not only helps build self-esteem and self-image, but brings a certain satisfaction. It it does, Cindy. And the other thing is that... Creativity is not an end in itself. Right. It's the process. It, it's the process. It's not um, It's not as if you finish a project and, gee, I've got, I'm there. Mm-hmm. No. So what do you do with, you know, if I could t- 
tweak that a little bit. I wonder what I could do if I added this. Um, it's always a process. It's a learning process, which, in my opinion, learning is one of the most energizing things in life. Right. When you quit learning, to me, you quit living. Um, and I don't mean you have to, you know, get behind books every day, but a learning attention. Learning it, it comes in so many different ways. Well, I mean, it, one of, just experiencing life is learning. One of the things, Cindy, for me that has fed my creativity since I've been here in Greenville. Um, it, again, it's the first time I haven't had to move anywhere in a couple of years. I've been in this house over 20 years. And one of the things I'd never had an opportunity to do, simply because of my lifestyle, was garden. Mm-hmm. Finding out about gardening and flowers and plants and trees has ramped up my creativity. Mm. Um, I, I've discovered colors and shapes and textures that I never knew existed. Wow. And the the growing process has just right. been a blast to watch. And that, that sounds silly, but it truly is. Um, so do you have a lot of land that you can garden on? or I don't have a huge lot, but I've got plenty um, to grow things. I, um, I'm very fortunate to have a little plot of land. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a person who likes a lawn full of grass. Right. Um, I like native plants, and I love, I've discovered heirloom plants. I actually have um, a friend of mine who has since passed away. He would be 106, the wow. same age as my father would be. I moved he and his wife, um, oh gosh, 15, 18 years ago, and in the moving into a retirement community, he had an entire bank of beautiful, beautiful bulbs, and he shared some of those with me. He shared some beautiful iris and some peonies that had been his grandmother's. Wow. So these over 100 years old plants are in my front yard, um, flourishing. It's, it's <laughs> As I said, it's... Uh, that part of gardening has just, um, it feeds my creative energy. And with your sense of blending colors, they must be beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. And What, what colors do, have you the, mixed? Most of what blooms in my yard are um, pinks and reds and corals um, and blues. One of my favorite things in the um, in the spring and summer are hydrangeas, mm. which are all different colors of blue. But um, right. I, you know, a yard can change, a garden can change. I had to take a, a huge tree down, so that dramatically changed what happens in my yard um, because now things that were shaded are now in full sun. So it's mm. going to change, but that's it's a great challenge to have. But again, it inspires me. Um, I did a series of embroidery designs that are flowers and will continue to to change and add those 
to my collection. Mm. And that it's funny that I think my garden is really what inspired me to learn how to do the embroidery because I'd never really? done that before. Mm-hmm. Now, um, when you do the embroidery, mm-hmm. do you do it on? I don't know what it's called. It's like it's um, what is it like a an embroidery loop or? No, it, it's not hand embroidery. It's all done with a commercial machine. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, so the design is in the computer, and I can manipulate it. I'm I'm still in. The learning process, which I think will be a lifelong learning process of how to digitize and take a picture and make it into a, a stitched form, um, and I'm getting better at it day by day. Um, but you, so all of the embroidery uh, styles mm-hmm. are on computer. Yes, you you take a, a picture or a letter, for example, mm-hmm. and put it into the computer, and there's um, there's software programs that help you design the stitches. There's um, one design. It's a Celtic knot, a huge Celtic knot mm-hmm. that I've put on either a pillow or on a, um, a Christmas tree skirt. And it is it's something I designed about four years ago. I met a woman in um, Rhinebeck, New York. I was doing the country living magazine fair that spring Mm -hmm. and she was in new york she said do you have anything that's celtic um Mm -hmm. i said no but i'll i'll figure it out and i designed that for her this was Um, up in rhinebeck new york mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i used to do the the country living fairs i've since since 2020 there's not much going on (laughs) in terms of in-person shows pardon the Omega Institute is up there. I've been up there. Oh, it's a it's an absolutely breathtakingly beautiful area. It's Just a beautiful. It's a lovely area. Yes, it is. Um, and they were they were great to me. But that was really fun to have her ask me to create something. And I um, I think I sent you a picture of that design. And mm-hmm. it's a little over eighty thousand stitches. Wow. And on a commercial machine, which is very fast, it takes about two and a half hours. Wow! So you do all you do all of the monograms myself, yes. On the on a mach, on the a computer. Machine. Mm-hmm. Wow! Now, some so, of the well, some of the work I do, I some things I add handwork. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the elaborate tree skirts. Um, I'm not sure there's a photograph yet on on the website because I when I do one and two of a kind, mm-hmm. I can't leave it up if I don't have but one of them <laughs> if it gets sold. Right. Um, but, now, when people call you, mm-hmm. if they want like a tree skirt or something else or something, if they want to buy a gift for someone something individual and unique. Yeah. Do they tell you this is what I want or do they kind of leave it up to you? Um it it's generally a conversation. Um I usually ask 
several questions about who it would be for and what the occasion would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, I would suggest things that I already have. Um, but I do a lot of, of gifts and a, and little decorative or special items for weddings. Um, so would that be for, like, table favors or for well, the wedding party? Sometimes I do... Um, table runners that are special. Um, One customer here in town who's a a sweet friend, she had me take her wedding gown, and I made a lingerie bag that I monogrammed for her daughter who was getting married. I made a a ring pillow um, and a table runner for the cake table um, Mm. and had embellished it with... I made some flowers and put some pearls on them. Um... Freshwater pearls are a wonderful addition when you're doing things for weddings. Right. Um, but it it all depends on what they want. Um, again, that's somebody giving me a challenge that we can talk about and create the idea between us. Um, and then that challenges me to dig in as far as I can dig and find something fun to do. I, one wedding I... I did the flower girl's dress. Uh, again, no pattern like your mom. Um, a very unusual little girl. Um, delightful and smart and a little sassy. Um, yeah. I made a dress that had, I don't know if you know what milliner's flowers are. But no. vintage Vintage milliner's flowers were the, from the 20s, 30s to the 50s, the little bunches of flowers that they would put on hats. Oh, and, yes. And some of them were almost velvet-like. Mm-hmm. And I used the colors that they gave me, um, which in this case were a green and a, a pretty sky blue and a almost a cranberry color. Mm. And I found vintage milliner's flowers that I put on the ends um, of streamers that came off of her shoulders. And because wow. this child was as sassy as she was, which is one of the great things about her, <laughs> every time she moved, so moved those flowers. It was really quite fun. Well, did they make a sound so you could hear them? Or No, no. It, oh. it, it was all visual. <laughs> Interesting. It was a lot of fun. So for our audience... If people are listening, what types of things that you create would be good for a gift for someone? Um, well, one of the things I do that's um, for wedding gift is, as an example, um, I take a really high-quality cotton pillowcase, mm-hmm. and I'll monogram a pillowcase. And in an effort to make it look as close to being hand-done as I can, even though I'm not able to do the, the handwork, um, I'll do a, a, a matte white thread on these beautiful cotton white cotton pillowcases, do a specially designed uh, monogram, and they're 
just beautiful. It's a lovely, lovely gift. Um, it sounds. I think. Well, I think this year, this past year, being at home as much as we are, right. I think people may be coming back around to instead of having things that are disposable. Right. Maybe having a fewer things and things that are a little special. Right. Um, right. That's certainly what it's brought to me. Um, but, for example, as a Christmas gift, um, I make a linen pillow. It's an all-natural linen. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll take the names of your family or the names of all your dogs or whosoever names you want, and I will make a design that takes those names and creates a Christmas tree. And they're really lovely. And I've never, well, every time I go to a show, an in-person show, if Mm -hmm. someone in that area has received one of those pillows, every show I'll get somebody that's received one as a gift that comes in and wants to order one to give to someone else. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. It it makes people smile when they see their name, not just in print, but there it is on a pillow. It's right. it's really quite lovely. So I think they're not going to dispose of it. They can save it. Yes, yes. And in some cases, when people make those for uh, grandparents, they keep them out all year, even if it's a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Now, do you but, do you make things for other holidays as well? Oh, absolutely, absolutely for any and all holidays. Um, in fact, I think I told you um, a, a funny little Hanukkah gift. Um, it's a little kitchen towel that's bright blue, and I embroidered it in silver, and it said "Oi to the world." Oi to the a world! A little giggle. Love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but it's um, the world. Well, I think a lot of people were saying that this past year. <laughs> I think so. Boy for the world. Indeed, indeed. Um, but it, you know, it's funny. One of the things I, I was going to say about those um, Christmas tree pillows. Sometimes it's hard and a little emotional to think about folks that have gone before us, um, and a. a customer of mine a couple of years ago came to me. She wanted to give a gift for someone who had a family member that had just passed away and didn't know how to address it. Well, we addressed it very simply. When I have that situation, I'll put, I'll embroider two silver angels on either side of that name. Oh, that's lovely. Just just a, a tiny little nod. Um, but it's it is my customers very often that push me to be even more creative, listening to them. The um, angels and teaching about angels is one of my favorite subjects. And you're good at it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's it, it's just such an interesting. Because people think of angels as well. There's only four or five angels, the archangels. No, there's hundreds of angels. Yes. It's a very comforting vision to have in your head. And your heart. And I have 
notebooks and notebooks filled with automatic writing that I've done from the angels. Wow. And the first time, the first time I did that, I was sitting, I was sitting in my office and I had to put a class together that I was teaching a few nights past and all of a sudden I thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a class on the angels. So I went over and this was at Garden City Plaza, which is a shopping center in Cranston, Rhode Island. Right. And um they had a bookstore there. And I went over to the self help area and I saw this little book not in line with the other books, it was just facing me. And it was called Angel Speak. And um, I opened it up, and, and it was all about communicating with angels, how angels reveal themselves, how to communicate with the angels. And I thought, ooh, I wonder if they have other copies, and I'll get enough for everyone in the class was a small book. I went up to the desk and there was a young fellow working at the desk. And I said, excuse me, but how many copies of this book do you have? So he looked it up on the computer. He said, we don't have that book. (laughs) I said, excuse me? He said, we don't carry that book. I said, okay, that book was put there for me. Interesting. And, you know, it's like I treasure that book. But I, I did order order that book with, for other workshops that I've done. But things will show up yes. from the angels that you never dream of. You you never think, oh, well, the angels will show up and leave me something. So you make your angels out of silver? Yes. A little silver embroidery. They must be it's, beautiful. They, they are, I, I believe. They, um, it's like adding a tiny little comforting sigh. A little slice of spirituality on the pillow. Yes, yes. Without, without being too emotional. So, right. But it's um, as I said, my customers lead me to dig in and get more creative. Um, I have one customer who was decorating her beach house, and wanted me to come up with something interesting for each of the bedrooms there. Hmm. And so I, I came up with these wonderful the blowfish and an octopus and crabs and all kinds of things. And, and some of those are on the website. Um, but as I said, it's the customers who drive me to be creative, have me dig in. Makes it fun. 
it sounds it and it sounds it sounds like you feel sparked when you're Agreed. creative. I do. Completely. Which is very different than your corporate work that you did before. Totally different. Um, although I, I like to think that I was a little creative in that. Um but this is a whole different plane of creativity, entirely different. Um, I'm inspired by such a broad range of things, and it can be it can be anything that I see. Um, but so often it is is my customers. But it can be something I see in the garden or something that I see driving in my car. Um, you, I just never know where it's going to come from. Right. But I am very... In that part of your soul, that's creative. Yes, yes. Um, if people... In, there may be many people that are listening to this program or then go to the podcast. If they want to reach you, either to yes. get something for themselves or a gift for someone else, how can they reach you? Um, one of two ways. Either go straight to the website, or you can certainly email me at thechristmasbell at gmail.com. Okay, and remember, folks, bell is spelled B-E-L-L-E, like yes. the southern bell we're talking to. Yes, and I'm, I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook, um, but probably the simplest is my... Um, Gmail address. And what was the email address again? The Christmas Bell at gmail.com. So if you are looking, not just as a gift for someone else, treat yourself and get a gift for yourself. <laughs> it, don't we have to do that once in a while? Oh, absolutely. And and you can look at the website, which is thechristmasbell.com, um, and you might see something that sparks an idea. Mm-hmm. Now, are you always anything. coming up with new ideas? Yes. Or yes. just different kinds of things that you can put your creative energy to? Yes. I'm always looking for things, some of which are more successful than others. <laughs> but that goes along with creativity. It's Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Uh, I do not, that with cooking. Sometimes I have, I've got this, I can't follow a recipe. If there's a different ingredient, I'll add it. But for the most part, I just go with the flow and and cook. But sometimes it doesn't come out the way I want to. Down it goes. Let me just say that the kitchen is not the, the room in which I am ever inspired creatively. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but look at the, <laughs> the different ways that you are creative. Yes, yes. That's just not on the list. <laughs> I make it look good, but it's mm, cooking not so much. 
Yeah, I, I love to cook, and, and it makes the house smell so good. Yes, it does. Especially this time of meal. year. Right, especially this time of year. I make a lot of homemade soups, and I, I never know, in general, what they're going to come out to taste like. Or, But <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, everybody it's has... It's the same way I work with um, fabric. I can imagine you you pick up a piece of fabric and think, hmm, now what can I do with this? Yes. And, oh, that ribbon I bought two years ago (laughs) would work well in this little corner. Yeah, it's, um, it's an ongoing creative process, as it sounds like it is in your kitchen. So now, do the dogs ever get into your workroom and wreak havoc in there? Uh, no, actually, um, they wreak havoc <laughs> in other places. But um, <laughs> my my younger dog, who's a young twelve going on thirteen, she's um, she likes to sit up there with me until I turn on the embroidery machine. If the embroidery machine is going, she's not there. She's out, but otherwise, out of. I, I think she doesn't like the vibrations. Um, but otherwise, she sits there. She likes to be up there with me. Um, my old guy, Rascal, he could care less. <laughs> he's out chasing squirrels. So um, uh, He's a squirrel chaser. Yep, he's okay, my so hunter dog. Before we run out of time, yes. if people want to reach you, whether it's to buy a gift for themselves, or someone else, they can go to the Christmas Bell, B-E-L-L-E, dot com. Yes. And um, I guess also, they could, pardon? They can, go to, they can go to Instagram and the Christmas, at the Christmas Bell, um, or on Facebook, the Christmas mm-hmm. Bell. Or reach out to me at um, the Christmas Bell at gmail dot com. Uh huh. Well, this has been a real learning experience for me. Oh, it's been a great, great fun evening for me. Well, Sally, I truly thank you for sharing your time on a Sunday with me and with our audience. I hope people get in touch with you, and if Listeners, if you want something creative and interesting, get in touch with Sally Smith because she is the Christmas bell. Thank you, Cindy. You are welcome. So this is Cindy Gilman helping you discover your potential. Doug, I thank you for keeping me on track. Have a great week. It's a new year. I just had my birthday. My son did. So we're a year older. Yikes. And we'll see you next time on BBS Radio and discover your potential. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
Jesus, the Lord. 